So take a look around. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Every heartbeat, every breath, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He is the ultimate giver. He literally gives us gifts that we can't comprehend. Think about this. There are more electrical impulses generated in one day by a single human brain cell than by all the telephones in the world. Or how about the fact that food tastes delicious? It didn't have to taste delicious. It could have all tasted like kale. But no, it's fantastic. We plan our day around good tasting food. God gave us this. And then there's our health. We're not healthy because we deserve it. We didn't jump in a 55-gallon drum of yogurt and spinach. Our health is a gift, a gift that is too often taken for granted. God has always given to me knowing that He would get little in return. He is a father that enjoys giving good gifts to his children. I've heard it said that it's possible to give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And that is his example. For God so loved the world that he gave. Like most people, I'm often driven by what I don't have when I should be driven to seek the heart of God. Because God's heart is revealed in his generosity. Maybe my heart is too. Good morning, church. Hey, so glad you're here this morning to celebrate our risen Savior together as we come together to encourage one another across the aisle, but to proclaim the story of Jesus Christ in mighty and powerful ways because the Holy Spirit lives in this place and within you. Amen. Uh, What a joy it is to journey with the family of God uh, through this life and to see what he's doing in your life. It's truly an awesome pleasure to be called a child of the King. Uh, Thank you, uh, if you're a guest, for being here today as well, for joining us. It's truly an honor that you're here and a part of our uh, fellowship this morning. Uh, We want you to join us in the story that we're telling. If you're looking for a church home, we'd love for you to be a part of what's happening here at Cross Point. Take a look in the bulletin at different ways that you can get plugged in, get off the sideline and into the game, so to speak. We've all made a decision that uh, God is enough for us. Jesus Christ has done enough for us, and we want to be a part of the blessing that God has to offer each one of us. Uh, as we journey through life uh, together. We are in a uh, series called DNA, where we've talked a little bit uh, about what Jesus Christ looked like in his ministry, and the idea that because we're adopted by God, uh, that we're part of the family, that we too have a DNA that should look like Jesus Christ. We should be full of him, it should ooze everywhere, we should be absolutely uh, screaming him in every aspect of our life. And the first week we took a look at uh, the focused life, the idea that you and I have a purpose here on earth, and we are called to live out that purpose just like Jesus did when he came. We uh, have also talked about living intentionally, that you and I have got to make a decision in our life that we are going to be intentional about interacting with other people uh, and letting them know about the hope they can have in Christ Jesus as well. One of the things that we're going to look at today through the book of Philippians, if you've got your Bible, turn with me there. We'll be in chapter 4 in just a moment. Uh, We're going to look at some text that we've looked at already, but then some new stuff, and then all of that text will be on the screen, uh, of course. But today we want to look at the idea of living a generous life. What does it mean to live generously? Because as you look at the, the life of Christ, that's exactly who he was. He was a man that was full of grace, mercy, peace, compassion. Uh, he might be on his way to heal somebody or to teach somewhere. And someone along the way might stop him. And what did he do? He always stopped and interacted with folks. He was a person who shared his life generously uh, with all 
all types of people. It didn't matter where they were from, what their language was, where they were in the social ladder. He made room for people in his life. We're called to have that type of DNA in our life as well. We're called to be generous people. Uh, with the stuff that we've been blessed with in life, our possessions, with our talent sets, uh, with our time, uh, with our money. We're called to be a generous group of people. That's one of the things that sets us apart from the world in which we live in. The world asks the questions, what's in it for me? What will I get if I do that? And you and I, because we're followers of Christ, have a different viewpoint of what we're blessed with. We want to put ourselves second and other people first. We want to give up that vacation week to go on to a mission trip. We want to maybe give more in the plate to help uh, next Sunday with that blue bucket opportunity to help needy people right here in our own community. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So today we're going to unpack that a little bit and take a look at what does it mean to live a focused life? What does it mean to live on purpose? And what does it mean to live generously in the world in which we find ourselves uh, today? Paul did a lot of writing throughout his uh, career, of course, and many times he acknowledged people who were doing things the right way, if you will. One of those letters is in 2 Corinthians when he writes the church in Corinth, and he begins in chapter 8 by highlighting a church in the Macedonian area. Well, what town is located in Macedonia but uh, Philippi? He wants to talk about, even under duress, even under severe persecution, even though they were poor, they still had a very generous lifestyle towards other folks who were in the church, toward folks who were in need. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, he says, Since you, the Corinthians, excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love uh, from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Paul is reminding the church there that we're called to live generously and graciously with those that we come in touch with. That this life really isn't about us, but about connecting people to something different in life. Something that will create that peace of mind, that non-anxious spirit. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the reason why we do what we do. And for some of you who have lived that type of life, you've made a decision that God is enough for me and I'm going to live generously, you've experienced the blessing that will and can happen. You've experienced the peace in your life. You've experienced that non-anxious spirit about yourself, the contentment that can only come when you and I put our faith and trust in God above. And that's His Son brings that to our life. But there are also those who tend to cringe when we talk about money or we talk about our possessions and how we should be living generously. I mean, for some of us, that's getting a little bit personal. And so we cringe at the thought of talking about that idea. Some of us may want to have that generous heart, that giving heart, but we're not sure where to start. What does that mean for me? What should I put in the plate? How should I get involved in ministry? What does that mean to live generously? Some of us have been skeptical toward churches that uh, seem all they talk about is money and a generous lifestyle. 
I remember when I first moved down here four years ago, uh, I got a call almost right away from a church here in town that has a huge uh, TV presence. Uh, and uh, they're here in the metro, and they said, we love to get to know the new pastors that come to town, and so we'd love for you to come speak on our program. I was like, well, that's really generous, and, and thank you for, for calling. And they said, now, you've got a 15-minute time slot, and we want you to talk about money. <laughs> well, there are some groups out there that seems to be all they talk about. Of course, I declined that opportunity to be a part of that, because like you, at times, I feel frustrated and even violated when people, churches, that seems to be their focus, rather than talking about the life that Jesus Christ has called us to, to share life with one another, to be generous. You may not know this, but almost one-third of Jesus' teaching, almost one-third of it has to do with money, possessions, and generosity. How are you going to use the stuff that God has blessed you with in your life? And it's not that God needs our possessions, but when we become generous, we need God's blessing. You and I need God's blessing in our life. We've got to look forward to that, and when we're called to live like Jesus Christ in every way, when we move in that direction, then we gain that blessing that God has to offer. Well, Paul, in our text in Philippians chapter 4, if you'll remember in verse 6, Paul says, listen, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Paul here is reminding followers of Christ, listen, don't worry about stuff. Don't be anxious about this life. But if there's something that you need, talk to God about it. Pray about it. Get him involved in the process. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, Then, when you've done that, then you will experience God's peace in your life, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds the church too, when you make a decision to live a generous life, when you uh, buy into the purpose of your life here on earth, when you want to give him glory in all that you do, then you're going to experience the peace that only God can offer you in your life, uh, that uh, non-anxious spirit, so to speak. Uh, Paul goes on in verse 8, and he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix or focus your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul wants us to be reminded that our job here, if you can call it that, is really not to worry about the things of this earth, but to lean forward into more spiritual matters, heavenly things, where we're moving to, and that is a forever with God the Creator. I'm pretty excited about that, aren't you? I would rather be there than here, although I love you all very much. My assumption is I'm going to see all of you when we get there too. So it's going to be a great time uh, focusing and worshiping God. Paul seems to be saying, listen, the goal in life, the fixing point, if you will, is to be content with what is given you. It's not to long for more, but to be content with what you've been blessed with, whether it's a little or a lot. Paul uses his own life as an example, beginning in verse uh, 11. 
Paul says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Paul is using some experience from his own life. If you remember, Paul used to be Saul. He used to be one of the 300 Pharisees. He was somebody in Jerusalem in the nation of Israel. He had everything at his fingertips. But remember, he's writing this letter chained to a Roman guard under house arrest. He now has nothing. Paul is saying the secret to a peaceful life, the secret to living how God's called us to live is to be content with whatever might be going on in your life, knowing that God has a plan, and we don't always see the plan. Uh, A few months ago, Garrett had a question for me, my youngest son, and uh, he's kind of going back and forth with... uh, church work. He's, he's got a, uh, a college agenda, if you will. He's getting his business degree, but he still kind of comes back and talks about uh, church work every now and then. And uh, he asked me a few months ago, he said, uh, tell me, Dad, what would we do if you or Mom lost your job? I mean, what would, what would happen? And, and I said, well, you know, the truth is what you think sometimes are, are absolute needs are really just fluff. It's really just wants. We could probably get rid of one of our two cars. We could sell our house, downsize, maybe move into an apartment. We could do away with cable. I wouldn't have to buy an OSU flag every year. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can move on from. And he was, he was interested in that. Because the idea for you and I is that we would be content with what God has for us in our life. See, contentment is being patient with God's process and at peace with God's timetable. It's saying that he ultimately knows what's best for me, and I'm going to bask in what he has for me. I'm going to be content, whether it's a lot or a little. I'm going to be content with what God's plan for me is on this earth. You see, what the world offers is something very different. It's something very temporary. We could be considered successful in this, uh, in this life if we accumulated a lot of stuff, if we had our hands in a lot of different places, so to speak. Uh, a few weeks ago, we went to the men's conference at the Hills Church, and they had a, a speaker there by the name of Erwin McManus. Uh, he is a, a gifted writer. He is a senior pastor at a church. Uh, in 1993, he got his uh, theology degree right here in the Dallas area. Uh, and then uh, in 1993, went to work at a church called Mosaic in the Hollywood area of Los Angeles. He's been there ever since. He is a, a great man of God and does some really great work, does some writing. Uh, but he's also very creative and gifted in other ways as well. He is a film director, an actor, a writer, and he's got seven films under his belt. He's also uh, involved in uh, men's fashion. He makes suits for, for guys. Uh, So he had these two different companies on top of uh, working at Mosaic. Uh, There was a a family on the East Coast. The daughter was in some deep depression, and she had heard Irwin speak many times, read some of his material. She was a young adult, and she was in this deep depression and decided that uh, one of the ways to help move her forward in the process was to have Irwin come to their house and pray over her and be with her, Uh, just kind of talk through life with her. 
Uh, and so she convinced her father to call Irwin, which he did, uh, and they kind of talked a little bit on the phone until finally Irwin agreed to go for the sake of this family, this uh, young lady. And so uh, Irwin and his daughter boarded a plane in 2013 and flew out to the East Coast. While they are in flight, he experienced a hostile takeover of both of those companies. He lost everything, everything. He says he even had to take out loans to finish up a couple of projects that he was working on and finish payroll. Those things were taken away from him. But Irwin says, because my faith is in God, I'm content whether I have a lot or I've got a little. And you and I have maybe experienced on some level some loss like that along the way. And we may have been upset about it, but ultimately we, we lean into God and his story. And we may begin today by asking the question, so what is my starting point if I'm going to begin this generous life? And of course, it is Jesus Christ. That is our starting point, church. We've got to lean into who he is and what he wants us to be. Paul goes on in verse 13 of our text, and he says this very popular verse, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that's shown a lot on social media. A lot of people have adopted that as their verse, and rightly so. But in context, Paul is saying, I'll be content in Christ. That, that will be the one measure that I have in my own life. I mean, he's a typical guy. He, he loves sports. He, he loves uh, teaching. He's a knowledgeable, competitive guy. But he also wants everybody to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants them to know the story of hope that he also shares. He wants them to have that contented life, but to live out life graciously and generously. See, he's learned that Christ is the key to contentment. And if you and I in our life truly want that non-anxious spirit, we want peace in our life, if we want to be content, then we are going to have to lean into Jesus Christ and share and become a part of the story that he is creating in the world. When your desire is to elevate Christ above all things, we're told that we're going to be given that type of life. Many of you know or have heard of Mother Teresa. Uh, she was a Catholic nun. Interestingly, she was born in Macedonia, where Philippi is located, in 1910. Uh, she died in 1997. And you know that the bulk of her work was spent in Calcutta, India, working with the poorest of the poor. So imagine for a moment, uh, the, uh, the poor group, they, they don't have job, they don't have a money, they, they, they're sick constantly. And within that one group, there's even another group that that group won't have anything to do with, the poorest of the poor. That's the small group that Mother Teresa decided to work with her entire life. And in 1979, she won the Nobel Peace Prize for her work. But she's always lived a life where she was content with what God had to offer. So when you win the Nobel Peace Prize, a couple of things happen. There's a huge banquet with lots of food and lots of important people come. And she said, we're not doing that. We're not going to spend that money for that for me. You also get a check for $192,000. And she said, give that to the poor of India. I don't want it. You and I have got to have that kind of mentality. If you get a check for 192, call me. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I can tell you where to spend that. You know, there's nothing wrong with wealth. That's, don't hear me saying that today at all. 
But always, whether you have little or a lot, always live generously. Have that type of heart, the Jesus kind of heart that this world so desperately needs. You you think about the people that God blessed all through the Bible. People who made a decision, I'm going to be who God's called me to be. And because of that, they were blessed. Oh, so you mean if I serve God, then I'm going to get rich quick. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it is interesting. When you look at people who have decided to make Christ God, their contentment, who they're following, then great things happen for them. You think about Jacob, who became Israel, a wealthy man and the, the father of a nation. You think about when Moses and the Israelites left Egypt after 400 years of slavery and all of the Egyptians were piling in the gold and the silver and everything else just to get rid of them. You think about King David and King Solomon who were blessed with wealth and position to change the face of the world in that part of the world in their day and time. You think about two slaves who ended up in captivity, a girl by the name of Esther who became the queen of Babylon. You you think about a prophet by the name of Daniel who started out as a young guy giving credit to God and because of that he was blessed in numerous ways. You see other kings and prophets all throughout the Old Testament. You see the early church and us today who are blessed beyond measure because we've made a decision that God is enough and I'm going to lean into the story that he's got for me. I want to have that generous heart that God's given me but sometimes for you and I there, there are some obstacles that you and I have to overcome if we're going to really have that piece of DNA within us. And the first one is debt. You and I have things going on in our life that suffocate. It's, it's one of those tools that the enemy uses to stop us from participating in the story of God with possessions, with money, with whatever it might be because we've got other obligations. I have debt just like you do. Two boys in college, the list goes on and on. We could compare notes, but I'm pretty sure at the end of the day, we look about the same. But debt is the one thing that kind of stuff, it's a barrier to the joy and the generosity that we could have as people of God. That's why uh, March 22nd, we're going to begin Financial Peace University here uh, on Wednesday night. It's a great opportunity for you to say, you know what, it's time to cinch the belt up. It's time to create the budget. It's time to get out of debt so that I can live into everything that God has for me in this life. But you and I may sit there on any given day and think, man, how can I get out from under this? This is monstrous. But I'm told in Scripture that anything is possible with God. Anything can happen when God is in the picture, anything at all. When you put Him first, when you put kingdom work first, when you tighten the belt, when you go to powerful prayer moments, when you put the focus on others instead of you, when you practice delayed gratification, it's in those moments that we can move through this piece of our history. What does Moses say in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18? He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Whether you have a small or a big bank account, a big name on your door, or you're working for somebody else, whatever success you believe you're having in life, guess what? It's because God wished it so. He is the one that makes us successful. But that might not only be the only barrier. Another barrier may be greed. 
It's the idea that, that you always want something more, that we're not content or satisfied with what we have right now. It just isn't enough. I mean, what's the half-brother of Jesus say? James addresses this with the church in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. James is one of those writers that doesn't pull any punches. He just tells it like he sees it. And for some of us, that idea of wanting more, not being satisfied with what God has given us, is one of those barriers that, that prevent us from moving into that generous lifestyle. The third one is comparison. We've talked about comparisons a lot before. And so you look at your own bowl of ice cream and uh, you begin scooping it out and you think, man, I've got, I've got some really good health. I've got, I've got, a, I've got two boys. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I've got an education. I've got a great job. And you're looking at your bowl and you think, this looks great. This is awesome. And you're thanking God for all that you have. You love the fact that you've been blessed in so many ways. And what you used to brag about and, and like and love and... How do I get sprinkles? I don't have any sprinkles. Look how big your bowl is. And when we're not careful, we begin to compare what we've got in our life with other people around us rather than being thankful for the fact that we've got a bowl with ice cream in it. Sometimes we get hung up and that becomes a barrier for us as we move through life. It's the idea that I want more. I, I can't just sit by and allow someone else to have more than I... I've got to collect. I've got to put things in my storage bin, so to speak, because there's not enough room in the garage. You and I have been called to a different type of life when we said yes to Jesus Christ. And it's one that calls for generous living. You and I need to pray that God would create in us a content heart and pray that he would send people into our life that would hold us accountable to that contentment. That we would praise God daily for what we have in our life. It's because of him that we are successful. So the challenge I want to leave you with this morning is this. Try to systematically and spontaneously outgive God. Not going to be able to do it, are you? But the challenge is I want you to try. Maybe in your own life you, you, you really haven't thought much about this generous heart, this lifestyle. What would that mean for you? Is it, is it moving your contribution up 1%? Let's see what that looks like. Is it opening your home once a week to a family to have them over for dinner? Is it making some hospital visits for those that are on our list or other folks that you may know? But try to outgive God. What does Paul say about the church in Philippi in verse 15. He says, as you know, 
You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. Paul is reminding them of what we all need to be reminded of, and that is a person, a follower of Christ with a generous heart. Someone who's willing to share their time, their talents, and yes, their possessions and money with others who are desperately in need. Church, it's time for us to adopt the DNA of Jesus Christ and say, me last, you first. I want to be a part of that life because it's then that we get the blessing. And how do I know that? There's a famous text in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 where God is talking to the people of Israel but the storyline is he's talking to his people wherever they are. Imagine this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That's a scary verse for me. Not that I'm going to have to give up something, but what does I'll give you more blessing than you can handle look like? That makes the hair stand up on my neck. I'm excited about that. God, I want to be a part of your story 110%. You tell me the person I need to be, and by the way, we talked about that early on, and that is Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we will be blessed in many, many different ways. I mean, you think about what happens in your own life. When you get involved in your kid's life, you, you help out with Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, you, you decorate the float or the trailer for the parade, you invest time and money and your talent says you're part of the PTA, you, you're involved in youth group and you go on trips with them, you become invested in those moments, don't you? You care about the people that are there. You want to make sure that you're doing your part to make all that happen. And that's what happens in God's kingdom. When you make a decision to live generously, then you begin to not care about things, but you care about people. And that's what God cares about. He wants a relationship with every single person in this room. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to make that point. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of what God is doing in this world. I want to be a part of who he's called me to be in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the challenge that you and I have this morning. Are you willing to look at the barriers that might exist in your life and make a decision to be as generous as Jesus was in his? That's the call this morning. I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage at this time. And our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. Maybe this morning, you know that there's something going on in your life, something you need to just dismiss and get rid of. You need to move past that obstacle, and our shepherds are there to pray with you and pray for you so that that will begin to take place. My hope is in your life that you will experience heavily the Spirit and what He wants to do for you in your life. Become like Jesus. Let's stand together.